Hi. Hello. I am Marissa, a teen librarian. I am Mary, a brand new teen librarian. And we are here to talk about books. What kind of books? Young adult, middle grade, graphic novels, audiobooks, LGBTQ+, and more. Come jam with us. On the Book Jam. Don't forget to follow us on our social media. On Twitter, we're the Book Jam One, and Instagram, we're the Book Jam One. Getting to our whole spiel. So we we talk about books. What are we talking about this week? What's our subject, Marissa? This week we're talking about books that feature mental health. All right. So my first book, I we talked already. I get to go first today. Thank you very much. So my book. <laughs> I already called dibs. Sorry about that. No, there's no take backsies at the book jam. No take backsies. I go first. My book uh, is called The Weight of Our Sky by Hannah Alconf. And this book is published by Salam Reads, which actually is part of a larger Simon & Schuster books for young readers. It came out February 5th, 2019, which feels like a pandemic ago. And I'm going to read the book blurb for us now. Okay, so here's what the official publishers say. A music-loving teen with OCD does everything she can to find her way back to her mother during the historic race riots of, in 1969, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, in this heart-pounding literary debut. Malati Ahmed looks like your typical movie-going Beatles-obsessed 16-year-old. Unlike most other 16-year-olds, though, Mel believes that she harbors a djinn inside her, one who threatens her with horrific images of her mother's death unless she adheres to an elaborate ritual of counting and tapping to keep him satisfied. But there are things that Malati can't protect her mother from. On the evening of May 13th, 1969, racial tensions in her home city of Kuala Lumpur boil over. The Chinese and the Malay are at war and Mel and her mother become separated by a city in flames. With a 24-hour curfew in place and all lines of communication down, it will take the help of a Chinese boy named Vincent and all the courage and grit in Malati's arsenal to overcome the violence on the streets, her own prejudices, and her Jin's surging power to make it back to the one person she can't risk losing, her mother. So that's a lot. That's a lot. Just it to, is. To, I have also read this book. It is it is a lot, but it definitely has you in its grips for the entireness of the story. It's kind of a very quick roller coaster where they're not messing around. You don't need 100 pages to get into it. They just jump in. So that kind of takes me to my content warnings and my grade recommendation. A lot of reviewers say grade 7 plus. Some say grade 9 plus. I would say grade 8 plus, knowing that, again, any individual reader is welcome to read what they feel comfortable with. And I do quite love that this author actually includes a part in the very beginning that tells her readers, like, author's note, before I say anything else, I'm going to say this. This book is not light nor an easy read. And in the interest of minimizing harm, I'd like to warn you now. And its contents include graphic violence, death, racism, OCD, and anxiety triggers. Like the fact that the author actually tells us like, hey, put down the book if that's going to be bad for you. I quite like that. And my teen readers actually quite like that they're thinking about it. Other content warnings just as a whole, anxiety, death off the page, death of a loved one, gore, OCD, panic attacks, racism, violent, graphic violence, a lot of things. So again, I kind of put it at grade eight, knowing that Hopefully you know yourself as a reader or you know your child or your teen and what they feel comfortable with. So what is this book about? It is a book about mental health. It's historical fiction, mental health. 
one personal story is that I've done monthly book talks since the pandemic started and for the kids and teens in my town and mental illness is the most often requested theme. We've done it two or three different times. We used to do it weekly. Then we did a monthly thing as the world opened up a little bit more. And one book that it's often brought up and held as a standard by my one teen expert that has OCD is The Weight of Our Sky. So, so much. She'll always recommend it, bring it up as a standard to hold it to that when we talked about doing mental health, it was actually kind of hard for me to pick a different book because this one gets brought up so much and she always wants more recommendations for stuff like it, but it's so unique in a way that I hope more books become like it. And so it's not such a standout. Oh, totally. This is also a very different historical fiction, too. Yes. And it is the thing. It's historical fiction, but it's set in 1969. You're like, oh, my God, the Beatles. Yes, it has that reference point. But it's the race riots in Kuala Lumpur, which, if you're like me, you didn't know anything about before you read it. A lot of adults in their reviews of this book said, I didn't know anything about it. A lot of teens in their book reviews about this book said, I didn't know anything about it. So for a quick back history that in no way do I actually knew this on my own, I had to kind of look it up because this book does inspire you to want to find out more because you're like, I just don't know. I want to educate myself. So there was a contentious election between the Chinese and the Malays. And then what I interpret is that the Chinese seem to be get more uh, come out on top and the Malays who were, who were empowered didn't quite show up exactly as they wanted to. So both uh, parties took to the streets to parade and in general, by going to the streets, there was rioting, burning down houses, there was murder. The author, Alkaf, does not sugarcoat it. This book is dark and gruesome, and it contains graphic violence, but it's not gratuitous to the point of like horror for the shock value of it. It's really like World War II Holocaust books, they're not being gratuitous to be like, well, this happened. They're trying to report about a topic. Um, so if you want to know more, please research and do more, But because some of the, the official reports for the number of deaths due to the riots at about 196, although Western diplomatic sources at the time suggest that the death toll was more closer to 600, um, with most of the victims being Chinese. There was um, uh, tensions between uh, Muslim Malaysians and also uh, Chinese. And the thing is, is that these racial tensions haven't quite gone away, even though it's been just over 50 years. This has kind of been referenced back to, but it's not, it's not a perfect world. This, these things still simmer and they still go on there. One thing that I'll say about this book is that they do mention a boy named Vincent in the book, hmm, Chinese boy named Vincent, who has to deal with his own prejudices and helping Hannah get back to her mother. But there's not a romance trope. And the fact that this book does not have the trope that romance will save you from, or cure your mental illness was great. I quite enjoyed that because that's often a thing that people hit. And then there's one thing that I personally can't comment on from first-person experience, but there was one Goodreads user named Chai, C-H-A-I, who read this book. I love going through the Goodreads reviews, as we often do. She talks about mental health within Muslim communities, and especially the fact that it's in a historical fiction context. So the subject of mental illness and to treat it, this subject with seriousness, um, to see her use Malati's experience is to examine the taboo surrounding mental health, especially within Muslim communities. Talking about mental health is rarely an option in the Muslim communities. Family pride and honor hangs over everything, and mental illness remains something which we would prefer the world would remain ignorant. There's a real stigmatization of mental illness in Muslim societies, and in many ways, this owes more to culture than Islam itself. Books like The Weight of Our Sky are so important because they open the door wide for the conversation. It's important to talk about mental 
mental illness. It's important to address the extreme negative and non-medical perceptions a lot of Muslims have about mental illness. So again, that was not words from my perspective, but from the user Ty that really appreciated, she was a person of the Muslim community saying that I appreciate that this could start conversations in a traditional topic that's like, we don't talk about it. All right, why do I like this book? A million reasons. When you look at, I read some interviews with the author. This is often referred to as the May 13th incident. Um, that kind of language diminuizes what happened. So it probably should be called the May 13th riot. So the author wanted to take something that was obscure, not well known outside of the area in the sense of the US. We're, we're like, if it didn't happen to us, well, did it even happen? And the author wanted to take a journalistic approach and she wanted to go into something that was more obscure. So I appreciated that it was historical fiction that wasn't World War II based, no offense to World War II and the Holocaust, but for our U.S. focused audience of YA, a lot of the historical fiction is very white focused and very West focused. So the fact that there was a debut author that tackled this for a, y- a debut YA, super awesome. This book will make you want to pick it up and find out more about it like I did. I wanted to read more. It'll make you want to Google to find out more. I love the representation. The author does identify as a Malay um, Muslim main character. She wants to write with her faith and things there. This book is a work of fiction. So even though she did a ton of research, she still wants to present it as, you know, there are fictional characters, but trying to report that. So she still lets you kind of figure out what you want. Another huge thing, and it's not Technically, it's format. I know a format thing is that in the book, the words from that are not in English, uh, that are in Chinese, that are in Malay, anything there, they are not italicized. That is a small thing, but it's also a huge thing because anytime you kind of italicize words, whether say it's in Spanish in certain middle grade books, it makes it other. It makes it different. It shows that like it's not the norm. So just not having that be formatted differently. Um, a lot of reviewers that are actually Muslim or identify as such, they said in their reviews they did, they found it as a really great thing that they're like, wow, that makes me feel seen. I feel more part of it. So that was super awesome. And then there's representation as Chinese main characters, Muslim main characters, Malay main characters. And even though there's a lot of violence and terrible things that happen in this book, there's still kindness and hope because a lot of people went out of their way to help other people, not just the main character, but to try and do good even when so much terrible, horrible things are happening. And just to talk about the gin and the mental health aspect, this is not like the Aladdin's genie kind of gin. This is an intrusive voice. It's a male uh, voice is what Mel kind of says that comes into her head and says, if you don't do count to 21 or count to this, then your mother's going to die in these graphic ways. And at this time in this culture, there weren't, again, if we talk about the Muslim community possibly doesn't want to talk about mental health, when she finally does tell her mother, her mother reacts, um, her mother who's a nurse and trained in medical science, they take her to doctors. It doesn't quite work out. Eventually, they kind of go down the path of charlatans and, and exorcisms and other unhealthy things that are unhealthy physically for her because she's asked to purge. She's asked to do all these these odd things that don't seem to help. And also, it makes the it stops the conversation of mental health. She finds herself being like, oh, that was great. We'll see. Just because she doesn't want to disappoint her mother, but she also wants to try and stop these things from happening to her or 
that was then the context of 1969. Some of these practices are still going on in certain communities in certain places, but it sounds like this book isn't hopeful, but I did find that she had a will to survive, even, even with the OCD and all these terrible intrusive thoughts about if you don't do these things, your mother will die. When she was actually confronted with the real thought that these race riots are real and people are dying in the streets, she still just wanted to get back to her mother. It wasn't a romance. She just wanted to get back to her mom. Um, she lost people and friends along the way, but it was a really fast paced driven story that just once you pick it up, it can tear you apart and your feelings and all your emotions, but it's a really good read in the sense of it's just a really good read. So only pick it up if you feel ready and prepared for it. If you start reading it and you're like, Oh, I am not ready for this now or later. Do not pick it up, put it down. You and myself and the author all want you to read this only if you are ready for it. Mary, what are your feelings about this? No, I agree with all that because it's a very intense read. Yeah, It's the kind of YA book that it's not super long anyway. I mean, it's not a short one either, but it's there something about like once you start down this path, like you have to, you have to find out what happens to the main character because yeah. it's so intense. Like imagine going to the movie theater one day and then all of a sudden your whole entire life changes and all you're trying to do is get back to your mom. And this is, you know, it, it's, it has a lot of like heartbreak, but then yeah, it's up, it's down, like where will it go? And then in the middle of that, her battling her undiagnosed, unmedicated mental mental illness. Like that would break a lot of people, I think. So this main character is is pretty awesome in that respect. Yeah, I read this I think three years two or three years ago and I, mm-hmm. I remember really enjoying it. And I remember just being like, How could anyone not like this book? Because yeah. it's very good. So, and I also, with you, like, I, something I was not really as familiar, I was kind of familiar with what had happened mm-hmm. historically, but that's only because I used to be an archivist and I worked on a collection that dealt with several different Asian countries uh, from, yeah. like, 1950 on to 1990-something. So some of these, and because it was, like, a Christian organization and they were, like, um, trying to help with education and aid on, on stuff, sometimes these events would come up and I'd be like oh what is that I have to look this up because I don't understand it because I'm a white person that's only been taught very much white history so yeah so I and then I did also went on like a Wikipedia dive when we read mm-hmm. this book too because I was like this sounds familiar oh this is what this was and then like because something that seems like kind of a blip to us was very important historically for Malaysia Yeah. And so I know a lot of times when I talk mental health with my teens, they assume it's going to be a U.S., United States-centered kind of narrative. But again, this one always comes up in our our talks. So it's always so hard to find a direct read-alike to it because Uh (laughs) there's nothing exactly like it. It's it's so unique. So you can try and do what I can do other OCD books, like if you're into Every Last Word by Tamara Ireland Stone, same author as Clicked. Um, That can be a more... American-centric kind of thing where they're not dealing with a race riot and doing that, or Adam Silvera's History is All You Left Me with grief and OCD and trying to figure out after breakups. Turtles All the Way Down by John Green is one that people often reference, um, even still with the, mis- with the mystery of her friend's father of like 100,000. I still haven't read that one. 
I audiobooked it, so that was kind of fun. But like, there's so many books that like, oh, if you want to go OCD, we can go down this path. Oh, you want to go historical fiction, we can go down this this path, even if it's not where we're too focused. But this one just stands out. It's just such a weird, odd, beautiful, lovely diamond of a book that's just so unique. Like, it's just, I can't find direct ones like it. And I know she has, Hannah has, uh, she's written a book previously and she has a new middle grade book coming out. Hmm. Or I think it just came out and I went to, I buy e-books for our consortium. And unfortunately, uh, The Girl and the Ghost uh, came out in 2020 it's not available as uh, something that I can buy. Uh, so I was like, huh, because I really want to read more books by Hannah Alcom because I like what she does. Yeah. I know. That's weird. So do you want to switch gears a little bit and talk about my book? Yes, let's switch gears. I know yours is also serious, but I think it's more modern and possibly a little hopeful. Yeah, this one has, um, there are some ups and downs in this book, but there's also some really funny stuff that kind of pops up because Quirky teens have quirky dialogue, and I'm here for it. So yeah, so I read Verona Comics by Jennifer Dugan. This is her second book. All right, if that name sounds familiar, it's because her first book was Hot Dog Girl, which <laughs> I have not read yet. Ah! What? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. I uh, I was talking earlier about how my to-be-read pile has a to-be-read pile. Um, okay. I'm so behind on everything. Um, but I wanted to talk about this book because A, it has mental uh, health issues all throughout it. And B, I feel like a lot of people didn't really read it because it came out right during lockdown. Like it mm-hmm. it was, uh, what was it? April of 2020. So it's one of those books I'm afraid that people might have missed that, you know, teens would really enjoy it if they're looking for like mental health books. The intended grade level is seven through nine. Um, the characters are like 17. They're like juniors, sen- like one's a junior, one's a senior, I think. Yeah. So they're a little older, but like, I feel like with some of the issues with it, uh, if you are a seventh grader that's ready to read about that, great. But it might be more intended for eighth grade and up. Yeah. Um, so content warnings, uh, there's a past suicide attempt by uh, the char- Ridley's character. He also has suicidal ideation. Um, he also has emotionally abusive parents. So he's kind of the struggling one with this in this book. And we'll get into that in a second. So yeah, his parents are very narcissistic. So imagine narcissists that have kids. And he, he just has a lot of issues because he has bad parents and his brain just doesn't make enough of the right chemicals and he's not at a place where he it will get into that so book <laughs> description because that's pretty great uh so jubilee has it all together she's an elite cellist and when she's not working in her stepmom's indie comic shop she's prepping for the biggest audition of her life ridley is barely holding it together his parents own the biggest comic store chain in the country and ridley can't stop disappointing them that is when they're even paying attention um, they meet one fateful night at a comic convention prom, and the two can't help falling for each other. Too bad their parents are each other's throats every chance they get, making a relationship between them nearly impossible, unless they manage to keep it a secret. Then again, the feud between their families may be the least of their problems. As Ridley's anxiety spirals, Jubilee tries to help, but finds her focus torn between her fast-approaching audition and their intensifying relationship. What if love can't conquer all? What if each of them needs more than the other can give. This was put out by J.P. Putnam Sons. 
for their their young readers and it's all, which is also an imprint of Penguin Random House because they own everything now. Um, and like I said, it came out in April 2020. So the setup for this book is kind of like a modern day Romeo and Juliet with Ridley's parents, particularly his dad. His parents are still together, but you get the sense they're together for money reasons, not because they like each other. The mom is living on the West Coast and has moved Ridley out there because he does not get along with his dad. So in his family, it's his mom and his dad who are separated but still technically married. Mom's on the West Coast. Dad's on the East Coast. Has an older sister named Grayson as well. And Grayson has it all together. Grayson works for her dad um, in the family comic business. And they are this corporate comic group that has, like, bought out indie shops. And they have a bad reputation of just being, just killing the joy of comics. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it was her and her mom first, and then her mom met Vera, and Vera, and so they got married. And Vera has a comic shop, and she also uh, has like a really successful indie comic line too. So she has a story that she's been like writing and drawing forever. There's a bunch of fans; it's great. So Vera also has the problem of Ridley's dad, who's a complete jerk. You also get the sense that his dad is an alcoholic too, but it's never like he's has a he clearly has a drinking problem. His dad is trying to buy out Vera's comic line and the comic store. And then you find out later that his group had bought out another indie comic store and it just wiped them out completely and just like became devoid of anything that made them like specialty stops that like really catered to their communities and whatnot. Cause if you have been to your own indie comic store, like I have one that I go to in Manchester called a hero's legacy. I love it. I walk in there, they know my name and they, you know, I usually know what I want. Like they'll ask me, Oh, Hey Mary, do you want to like, put this in your pull list? Like it's a really special thing when you walk into that store and you kind of feel like you belong, which is great. Cause also as a woman, Growing up, I never had a comic shop like that. I would walk in and they would always like mansplain to me. But like Heroes Legacy is like this special shop with like so much goodness and they're awesome and I love them. Anyway, that's what Vera's shop is like. And the meet cute for Ridley and Jubilee is great. So you get Jubilee's perspective first. Uh, and she's dressed yes. up as one of Vera's like main heroines in this like really cool like peacock formal thing. Her best friend Jayla um, is dressed up as Shuri from Black Panther. And so they're going to Comic-Con prom because the whole thing with her is that she's been so focused on this cello audition that will change her whole entire life and set her up to get her into like a good like college. Like she's basically, she's trying to do a summer program. So that way will, that will set her up to kind of help like springboard her to the next level. So when it's time to do college auditions, like it'll be good. She's so focused on it. All she does is cello. And so like her, even her cello teacher uh, is like, you need to live a little. Like, you need to do yeah. something that's not cello just to kind of, like, break this up for you. Kind of go out and experience life and bring that back to your music kind of thing. So she's going to Comic-Con prom, even though she's like, I don't really like this. I don't want to do this. And her Jayla's like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So they get into the elevator, and there's this kid with, like, skinny black jeans and, like, a button-down shirt and a skinny tie, and he's wearing a Batman mask. And so Jayla's like, oh, who's off-brand office Batman? And <laughs> Jillian's like, whatever. But that's Ridley. 
And so Rinley and Jubilee hit it off, but they don't know who each other are. And they end up meeting again in the prom. Um, and it goes back and forth between Jubilee's perspective and Ridley's perspective. So Ridley almost has a panic attack before he even gets into Comic-Con prom. Um, and so for mm-hmm. the longest time, they don't know who each other are and they, they switch they exchange numbers. And so he calls her peak because it's like peacock for like the costume that she's in. And she calls him bats. And so like he texts her like cute pictures of baby bats. And he almost has a panic attack at one point at the prom. And she starts giving him like random facts, like random anal facts that helps kind of help him manage his anxiety. And she's just like, Oh, he's so adorable and just like awkward. And like, she has a thing for like adorable, awkward boys. (laughs) The other thing that's cool about this book is that both Ridley and Jubilee are LGBT. So Mm -hmm. they're like, Ridley is bisexual. Uh, which also was a problem in his family. So there's also some, oh, I forgot to put this, passive-aggressive homophobia is the only way I can put that uh, from yeah. his dad and his mom. Mm-hmm. And if you read it, you'll get into more of the backstory. I don't really feel like I need to go into it. But he's I'm teasing always, you. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, Jubilee is like, I think I'm bisexual, but what if I'm pansexual? But, like, I like guys and I like girls. And, like, it, she kind of comes to the conclusion that she doesn't really need to put a label on herself right now which I yeah. think is great um, to give yourself the freedom to be like, I'm just going to be who I am. I'm going to date who I'm going to date and I'll figure it out as I go along, which is totally yeah. fine. And it could change your, your label could change that you put on yourself if you want it to. Oh, totally. Yeah. Which is totally fine. Yes. So, and her best friend Jayla is a lesbian and she has a girlfriend. Um, she's on the soccer team. And then that was the other thing is like she and the girlfriend are both like co-captains of the soccer team. So like, <laughs> the co- husband, there's like an awkward talk about like oh yeah the coach had to sit down and talk to us about like making sure we're doing our responsibilities and not making out on the field like that kind of thing which we were like we would never do that we wanted to win state championships and then their other friend nikki i will say nikki doesn't feel as developed as jayla because it's the way the friendship is it's 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 jubilee jayla and nikki but nikki's kind of like a background friend sort of like she's definitely close with them she's on the soccer team with jayla um but it's, it's clear that jayla and jubilee are like the besties and so as it goes on, they start meeting. And so Ridley somehow gets himself roped into, because he also really wants his dad's approval, that he has an in with um, Vera's comic shop. because, And so he can get it. So he can go out and find secret dirt, right? And soothe the dad. And yes. the dad's like, and he'll be valuable to his dad because he really wants his dad's approval. And he hates himself for wanting his dad's approval. And then that's where, yeah. but I think that's also kind of relatable for some kids may not have like the great greatest family relationships and you have to figure out is this worth trying to create a relationship or do I need to put boundaries up and be like I need to do what I need to do and when I'm 18 I go my own way like it's that's a hard decision to wrestle with and Ridley is in the grips of that with this and so he's conflicted because he's lying to everybody because he shows up at the shop as himself and like mm-hmm. Jubilee has no idea because he's wearing a mask that it's him but she's <laughs> she's like he seems really familiar Hmm. Of course, all of this will explode at later on and becomes a whole yes. thing. But throughout it, he's still, you know, he's trying to manage his anxiety. He's not medicated. He hasn't really followed a course of a plan with his, his former psychiatrist. And his parents seem to kind of like push him away. Like he's a problem. Like his mental illness is a problem for them and not something of like, oh no, my kid is really hurting. What can we do to like help support him? Where his older sister, on the other hand, is the opposite of that. She's she's very supportive of him. And she's like, really, you can tell me things. It's fine. So, but he feels personally because, you know, there's there's the the saying, 
anxiety lies, depression lies, because yes. he's so caught up into it. He thinks he's worthless and he thinks he's just bothering people with his problems. He also doesn't have friends. That's the other part. So like yeah. Jubilee becomes everything to Ridley. And I think we know those types of relationships can burn really hot, but also be very explosive in not great ways. So what I really appreciate about Jennifer Dugan is she really explores the relationship in that, you know, there's a lot of lying going on to parents. Jubilee can't tell her mom, Vera, about what's going on. You know, Ridley's lying to his dad. He's also lying to Vera. He hates it because he knows Vera's a good person and he knows his dad is not a good person. So he's actually writing fake reports. So it's very, it has that whole Romeo and Juliet thing, but I really appreciate how Jennifer Dugan really kind of looks at what this relationship is and like you know there are some good parts of it but there are some really like complicated not good parts that are you know not good for anyone because he can't live without jubilee jubilee is like can't live without him like there's like this codependence on her side he's thinking the only way his life is manageable is with her because he's not putting in the work with the therapist and getting the help he needs and so it kind of comes to a conclusion with like this, this whole thing that happens that I'm not going to get into because I want you to read the book. So I know it sounds kind of heavy, but there's also some really funny parts in it. Like Jayla is great. And Jayla is also very much like the friend that we all need that sits you down and is like, okay, so you're really into your cello, but now you're really into this boy. I'm really confused. Like what is up with this? Like he doesn't seem to be worth your time. Like, he just seems like some other tired white boy. Like, you don't need this. You don't need someone to drag you down. You know, and, and really is, like, the poster boy for, like, 2003 dashboard confessional fan. Of, like, <laughs> the skinny jeans and the skateboard and the, I have so many feelings. So there is a, there's a certain, there's a certain trope in teenness that, like, girls, like, go for that kind of guy. And he's not a bad kid. He's just never had, like, good supportive – he's never, like, had a good supportive family. So he doesn't know how to make friends. He doesn't know how to be a person, really. Um, and so he kind of learns some of that from Jubilee. But, like, also, like, there's a whole, ah, what's going to happen? How is this – because you know this relationship's going to explode. Yes. And it's, it, so when you read it, you're like, oh, okay. Because you're, you're just waiting for the countdown. Like, the minute they start yeah. getting together. And there's always a question of, like, is he going to tell Jubilee that he's really – that's – does that come out? Uh, spoiler, yes, it does. Uh, and there's more <laughs> secrets because she's like, my mom will kill you. Um, like, it, there's yeah. all, you know, it's secret upon secret upon secret, and you just cannot have a relationship full of secrets. But it's really good. One of the things I do appreciate is that it has a bunch of pop culture references because they are nerdy kids. They're of incredibly nerdy kids. One of the really cute things is when she... Not she, she's right. When Ridley first goes to the shop as Ridley, and he's like undercover Ridley, <laughs> he's super nervous because he does not feel good about this, and so his anxiety is just like spiked. It's like not great. His dad's corporate office gave him a pull list of like these are the comics you should pick out, and he's like, "Well, I can pick out my own comics, thanks." And he's like, "Well, this research says that you're gonna like you know stand out, but not stand out too much, kind of thing," and he's mm-hmm. like, "What?" He's like, you have someone at your office that works for you that just does whatever. And then he like gets the list and he's like, oh, this is actually my pull list that I have. Yeah, it was really close. <laughs> With the exception of like one or two comics. Um, and so then like, you know, he goes to the store and Jubilee's giving him a hard time. And she's just like, if you're going to give me a comic, what comic would you give me? Right. And so she's kind of like nerd checking him. And it's, yes. like, it's really funny because um, I think he gives her Miss Marvel. And she's like, explain your reasoning. Um, like... <laughs> 
five reasons why. Oh, totally. And then um, it's so funny how they like kind of like nerd check each other. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't really come off as gatekeepy because they're just trying to, she's trying to figure out like, are you actually a comics fan? Or are you just one of those fanboys that wants to meet my mom? Because yeah. that happens too. Mm-hmm. And there's that one. And then my other favorite part is like when Jayla first meets him, which is the same day at the comic book store. And she's like, what's your favorite Robin? And then he's like, <laughs> um, uh, he's just like, I feel like whatever I answer is going to be wrong. He says, Dick Grayson. And she's like, wrong dick grayson's the worst robin everybody knows jason <laughs> todd is the best robin and i'm just like i mean personally i'm a tim drake fan but sure you do you jayla it's like yeah and that's the thing is like there's just, there's like there's all these little nerd checks here and there but yeah no it's it's a it, it has cuteness but it also has some real heaviness but i will say there is a good resolve at the end um that talks about getting the help you need one of the things i like is jennifer dugan doesn't give you like, um like you sometimes you get an epilogue that's like three paragraphs of like what happened to the character but no you get like a couple chapters of ridley getting help and what's that like for him and talking about boundaries and like how he's actually learning to actively manage his um anxiety and his depression so yeah it was it's it's a good read i do think that this kind of got marketed as a rom-com book which is not yes. correct at all because it is very much has like a seriousness of someone struggling with their mental illness and not getting the right help for it initially um and then also the codependence that the other partner can bring to that relationship if they're not really um, you know it's a hard thing to kind of manage so and i don't blame jubilee for being codependent. um and actually they do address that later in the book too um which i really liked so i can't remember did you read this one i did i listened to it um i think i bought it for a consortium uh i think you're totally right this one on the literally on the cover looks like a a rom-com and then also has that blue undertones where if i hadn't already read jennifer dugan i've been like oh this seems like a pretty other normal guy likes girl girl likes guy kind of oh okay comics it's romeo and juliet in a comic book store okay like seems kind of generic when it's so much more but also it might be more than someone's ready to handle considering some of the heavy suicide ideations or pet or you know because of riley and jubilee's own issues um i yeah, do think we're getting yeah. it all from their mental perspective too so like when you're in a ridley chapter he's very on the level about like yeah there's a one time where i jumped off the roof but you know it's okay we don't talk about that anymore and he has his like his sad baths where like if he has a bad day he takes a bath but it's like (laughs) he he clearly has like the suicidal ideation when he's doing his sad baths and i'm like oh cheer up emo boy life's not that bad but i mean but even like the character of jubilee she's she was so intensely into her cello oh totally that she would kind of pretty much almost doesn't really do romance and then okay suddenly when she does it's like you said it she you switch from cello obsessed to kind of the boy obsessed and ha- you have this big big tryout this big you know recording there a big thing that you have to do soon shouldn't you be practicing and, and she just becomes so all consumed with that which it's true sometimes that happens sometimes you have a book where the friend's like hey you ignored me for the guy and you're like oh well the friend might be too jealous or this or that and sometimes you're like oh yeah i totally see that in this case yeah she kind of just she kind of lost herself a little bit in in that all-consuming kind of thing, which is not a – it's a good thing to talk about in a teen book because what are books but letting us experience 
other points of view and other worlds of like, oh, maybe this is a safe way to experience it and be like, okay, maybe I can recognize that. Maybe I see that in a friend of just like, hey, make sure you still are true to yourself and getting your college scholarships and getting your college camps in order. Um, oh, totally. And I, I think there's also that yeah. whole part of like first love is the worst love for everybody because it's <laughs> you're so full of passion for the other person. <laughs> and like, you're, there's like, there's no chill. It's all, it's all. Yeah. But then first love is totally the worst love if you have like unmanaged anxiety and depression and the other person has just basically switched gears in their life and they've, they're really all about their cello. And now like the cello then becomes Ridley, right? Like she just yeah. goes one for the other. So yeah, so I think it's in a, it's a pretty good version of Romeo and Juliet without all the suicide at the end. Yeah, I mean, I like that there's not all the suicide at the end, which is a weird thing to say. But like, you know, if you're saying, okay, it's a modern day Romeo and Juliet, you're like, well, it's not a happy story. So I know the what? How are we going to resolve that without the friar and the nursemaid like right. <laughs> coming in here? But but like you said, I think all the characters. I loved not just the main characters who had very full realized characters. I thought a lot, most of the secondary characters felt very real to me or with motivations. And again, Riley's sister loved her as a positive example in his life of like, hey, you can have a positive relationship with me. Let's talk about it. Like his check in. Yeah, because as the reader, too, you can see from his perspective, but you can also see a little bit outside of his perspective, too, because Jennifer Dugan does a good job. That Like, Grayson really is trying to support him, but he has to, like, try and meet her halfway. And he's 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 been told by his whole family, well, except Grayson, that he's a burden <laughs> and that he's the screw up. And he's, he's, you know, he's ruining everybody's life for existing, which is not true. His parents are horrible narcissists. He's just a teen boy that has pretty normal problems and then some horrible problems because of not supportive parents who are narcissists. Yes. And one book that this one is not a direct read like, but it reminded me of it is with the main character, a guy main character that uh, has panic attacks and anxiety as um, field stampers, as far as you'll take me it was a book discussion book that we did. And it also had the all consuming toxic love or not, you know, possibly toxic love story. But this one is where he's 18 and he has his oboe. You don't see too many YA books with an oboe main character, uh, main, oboist main character, right? This, I can't think of anybody that has an oboe. No, that is... Of any other, right? <laughs> the oboe, the most sexy of instruments. <laughs> and he comes from a super <laughs> religious family. It kind of hints back to whatever happened last summer. There was a musical audition in London, and then it went so terribly wrong that now we get hints of flashbacks about the book. And now it's this summer where he's secretly going to go to London, and of course he's going to find a job so he can stay there permanently. He actually does his research, and he's like, I got a visa, I got this, I got that, I just need to find a job. And along the way, the very first day, his cousin doesn't pick him up, but a friend of his cousin, it's like a very charming, smiling guy. And they kind of have like some winks and some some feels. And that's another kind of the all-consuming love. And I mean, think of it a lot. So if that's a good read like, if you want to have that possibly tragic, possibly not. Um, but again, toxic love and just another another person who has a musical instrument who's so is obsessed. And he's like really good oboist. I mean, I guess if you're going to be an oboist, be the best oboist you can be. I think you just like to say oboist because you... I do! <laughs> It's a fun word to say, but in my discussion, we had uh, a wonderful teen that is, oh, I always say a world-class like flautist, because she is, she's like a super awesome flutist, flautist. So we just said, we kept saying all oh, the musical instruments, but it was just, 
awesome to kind of she was super into it when she heard about the description of this book i'm like if you're into london traveling oboes this book is for you so i literally couldn't stop saying the word oboes <laughs> but no there's a, so many good books now that that are taking on mental health topics mental illness treatments side characters that have it were even more than way more than when i was growing up in the olden days but even over the last like five years, so much more than over the last 10, 15 years. And not just being like, oh, because like, I read a book write article a few weeks ago and it was like, don't fall into the trope of having the character with mental illness be the villain. That's not the exact title of the article, but that's it. Think about a lot of those old like slasher movies. They're like, oh, it was the person with mental illness and they had the knife and, wee, wee, wee. and you're like, oh, that's not positive. That's not healthy. So the fact that we have so many good books willing to take on this kind of discussion, covering a world of different mental health topics, mental health disorders. Like I even did in a book talk, we talked about seven main disorders and talked about different books under it. And and the teens showed up for it. They were super there for it. There's so many people that are interested, whether it's their own experiences, whether they have friends, whether they're just curious, they just want to read good books. Like a lot of those stinky books that might've gotten out, like published by Anonymous a decade or plus ago, not going to cut it now. They want, teens want real authentic kind of stories. They want that feels, you know, they want diversity, they want casual diversity, they want mental health. So I'm so glad there's so many books to choose from. And there's so many we didn't choose today, but we could have chose from, but yeah, this book does have casual diversity as well because Jayla is black and then Nikki is Asian American. If you want more Jayla and Nikki vibes, this is the book you recommended to me, which. But did, I'm not sure if you've read it yet. She Drives Me Crazy by Kelly Cleveland. Yes, I told you to read that. Yes. You did, and I did, and I loved it. And it was almost a book discussion book, but the teens voted a different way. They wanted murders in the forest for that month. I mean, whatever. whatever. So I, you can have both. Whatever. We did lost. We well, we did lost the Neverwoods by Aiden Thomas and the Forest of Stolen Girls by June Her. Which, by the way, the Forest of Stolen Girls. Go out, everybody, read it. Just saying. Um, so yeah, so there was good. If you want like lesbian sassy awesome fun that one was amazing so if you want more perspective from like the side characters that you see in uh verona comics there are so many other books out there so i could like i was like oh this book is like that sub character this book is like that one so yes it makes me happy it makes me like i love she drives me crazy i was very excited about reading that one cool so is there anything else we should talk about in the book world Twitter exploded over the weekend with a bad hot take. Why? Did you not hear this? No, I don't really do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, book Twitter like went up in arms because somebody had a hot take and it was a bad hot take. So everyone had to like talk about it. And I understand why everyone had to talk about it. But when I read it, I'm like, why are we having this discussion? Essentially, there was someone, I don't remember who it was. It took me forever to find the original hot take because I was getting all the, the reply hot takes. But nobody was yeah. to it, um, which is also fine because don't give people clicks. Like, don't do that. Yeah. yeah. It, something about like, is an LGBT YA book really actually a queer book if there's no queer sex in it, and like how there's not enough queer sex in YA books? And I was just like, have you read YA books? Do you realize they're not for you? Who is this person? Is an adult? I was like, they are for teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah. we also have a lot of like seventh and eighth graders who will read up to YA too. Uh-huh. And like, yeah. I would rather a kid read a YA book than read like hard erotica, like, because I want you to, you know, read a book like Verona Comics and like discover what a toxic relationship is. And then also the right ways to go about things. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't need all that. And it was like, it was just this weird thing about like, but also when you say statements like that, you erase the entire asexuality spectrum on the LGBTQIA plus umbrella, which I was like, that's not fair. Also, if we're talking about like what makes a book queer, it was just such a weird thing to like say, because I'm just like, well, queerness is so visually performative. Mostly, right? It's, you know, I remember talking to a teen a couple of years ago and they had just come out and their parents didn't, weren't like taking it as seriously as they felt they should have. Um, and she was like, but I look like a TikTok lesbian. Like I dress like a TikTok lesbian on purpose. And I'm like, your, your parents aren't on TikTok. So they don't know. Uh, so you, you can, you could tell them about that. Uh, but you know, that's the yeah. whole thing. Like when you first come out, you're trying to make yourself and you're really, you're, you're comfortable with who you are and you're trying to figure it out and whatnot. And you, you have the confidence you are visually queer. You are trying to, well, I want, you know, I want to make sure I wear, you know, I don't know what the kids wear now because I'm old. <laughs> For a while it was like hip to have the side shave and the different colored hair. And I feel like Doc yeah. Martens have never really gone out with lesbians. No, you know, and it's just one of the things like when we had the whole conversation with that teen, I was just like, well, don't forget that like you should still be you. So if you have something that you like to wear that is not what a quote unquote TikTok lesbian would wear, that's okay too because there's no yeah. like real right or wrong way to 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 be to be queer. Uh, you just be you. Uh, but again, it's so performative, right? It's those it's those necklaces that you wear or your earrings or your t-shirts that have the different flags on them. Like I often wear like rainbow converse, which looks subtle, but then like when I'm walking away, you can see the rainbow pattern on the bottom of my shoes. Cause I am that team librarian. I'm currently wearing a button down shirt that has rainbow lightning bolts. Thanks target pride collection. Not that I'm the biggest fan of corporate pride, but sometimes I fall for the, rainbow button down but yeah so i was like this is such a weird thing and so basically twitter just exploded with like this is wrong and i was like yes please let's talk about how this is gatekeeping and it's so weird people like there's so many people that have been like lgbt gatekeeping on stuff like that's not queer this is queer and i'm like you can all be gay it's fine it was it was a weird one and i was just like and i saw a lot of like librarians and like YA authors talking about like like really like what it's 2021 please stop like if you want to read this go read an adult book like do not bring this to ya like we are these ya books are you know the right appropriate amount of things that need to be in here for the age group it's written for so and like some ya books do have sex but it's not yeah it's not gratuitous at no. all and usually it's handled in a very respectful manner so it's like if you really want the the grittiness like go go read some romance go read some heart go read adult romance for adults they make it for adults lgbtq ones they too. do they do yeah. and again if teens want to read up in the adult genre totally they're more than welcome to yeah when no one's gatekeeping them on that either because a lot of high school teens that are like yeah i don't want to read teen books anymore i want to read adult books I'm like okay well let's what do you want to read about so like what 
what genre, so like, okay, we go there and then we yeah. kind of pace off. Yeah. Because that's fine. You know, and saying what you want to read is wrong. It's just, I got to figure out where you're comfortable at because I don't want to throw something like either whether and that's the tough part whether you're questioning the teen themselves or the parent or the grandparent or your, or the reader person that's going to give a gift to a random teen i'm like well you, you've never met this teen you don't know what they like you don't know okay that's that's okay. the hard part like when you're working with a teen it's pretty easy because the teens also will self-select yes. what they want like i remember yes. i had one kid that was yes. really into high fantasy and she had you know she was in middle school and she had just moved up into the i'm reading I'm reading like upper white fantasy. I'm reading some adult fantasy. And I was just like, okay. And I remember we were talking about a certain book series and I was like, well, I think you'll really like this, but I don't know if I want to give this to you yet. Like I might want to wait a year just, just to give yourself a year. Cause it, it does have some stuff in it that can be, you know, it's, it's, it's got some sex in there that I'm not sure you're, you're ready for. And um, she's like, Oh, I read such and such. My mom like, let me read it. It was fine. I don't really care about that. I just turned the page. I just want to get the part with the dragons. And I was just like, you know, so sweet. Yeah. So like the kids do that. Like they, they, it's it's which I was just like, Oh, okay. And so like when she told me that I was like, okay, we can open this up a little bit for you. And I had another team too that like had read every single Holocaust YA fiction I had in my last library. And so, and they were in eighth grade. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be in high school next year. And I was just like, I think it's time to put you into adult fiction. And this topic you've, you've master coursed out of it here. Yeah. And like, you know what you're comfortable with. And so, you know, that if you get to a point, I was like, I'm going to say, I, if you don't feel like reading the rest of the book, you don't have to go to the next one. So, and then they were like, oh, I can, I can read the adult books. I was like, there's no reason why you can't. Like you're already reading at an adult level as it is. You're okay with those concepts. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, with some of the conversations we've had. So like you, you will be fine. And I understand that. Like, and there's so much like World War II historical fiction that's been written a lot in the past. I mean, overall, but especially in the past five years has come out. So it's just like, yeah. here, here's a new pool for you to swim in. Like kids will get to where they need to be, but they still need to be given appropriate books. But I'm never gonna gatekeep on the kid. You know what I'm saying? Basically, what you just said. Yeah, they'll they'll let me know. Like one of my teens who's now in college, but yeah, she was a senior, and she's like, "You log your own summer reading. You you know, no judgment on what you read." And it ended up, I think she ended up reading a whole bunch of like adult romance, like not body stripper, but they're more contemporary. But I was like, cool. So that's what you, you know. I mean, like, great. You read thirty books in about over over a month because you were so into it. I'm like, great. So I'm like, I can try and you know, I'm not I'm not skilled in adult romance on that certain topic, but I I can try and help you find it. And she's like, oh, I got this, Miss Marissa. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, because again, at a certain point, not that they outgrow us, but like we are experts in a certain field, but we also have other ones with graphic novels here, there, there. Oh, totally. And how many seventh and eighth graders have you had that have been like, uh, Miss Marissa, I want to go downstairs and grab that Stephen King book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a fifth grader. A girl's reading Stephen King since she's in fifth grade. And her parents are like, can you try and keep her in the teen room? And I was like, here's the thing. You can tell I read this. Great. You can handle pretty much anything in here. Asterisk. You know what yeah. I mean? And so when she, I finally got to have her in during the pandemic, she finally came in. I was to be like, here's the bloodiest teen book. I'm like, go with this one. Go with that one. Go with this one. I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. And she can handle it. I'm like, if you can handle this, you can handle that. And she can self-select. If she's like, this one, not into it. Fine. I gave you 20 other books. Today. I know. So basically, I guess my whole statement is if you're an adult reader that feels like YA isn't sexy enough, then you need to just go read like new adult books or adult books yeah. those are the books that are for you those books are not and there's a lot of people that read like ya and are just like oh in their 30s and stuff, and that's fine 
Yeah. Our job is to read YA to a certain extent. Um, and we do enjoy it. I also do read adult books. You just never hear me talk about it because this is yes. a YA podcast. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm just kind of like, check yourself, people. <laughs> like, Yeah. So. There are books for every different age. And that's not saying you have to be that age to read them, but they're written for that age. So again, new adult is a perfect suggestion because that's where sexy time kind of comes into it more, especially with realistic. There's a lot more sexy time. At that age appropriate. Yes, unless we're talking about Let's Talk About Love, which is a new adult book that is ace and awesome. Oh, that's a beautiful cover. It's a great cover. One. Yeah, like, yeah. It's one of those covers where I'm just like, because of the bells, we get really awesome covers with black hair now. Did you see, there was also, you missed it too. There was a whole Twitter thing with um, different black authors talking about, like, because of this book, and they referenced Daniel Clayton's The Bells, because like yeah. the bells cover has like this awesome oh, she's beautiful she's beautiful and like you know part of the bells is that it's this dystopia where we have these like certain people that are well the bells who are can make yeah. you over to look however you want like they have this power they can change how your face looks they can do all this makeup and stuff like that and she's just got like this awesome like natural her natural hair um, and she looks so cool yeah, all these other authors were talking like, because of this one, I got this cover. Because of this cover, because of that cover, I got this cover. And so some of the covers referenced, I want to say, I can't remember if Slay was one, because Slay is also another one. Ugh. So we get like those like, you know, black girl magic covers that I'm just like, yes, because I want, I want our black girls to be able to see themselves on the cover of books. So also, did you hear there's a, that Little Women book is about to drop soon? Like, I think it's in the fall. Yes. Yes, I just um, got a, a notification many, for the eARC I can get. Yeah, I got that one too. Is it isn't it many happy endings? Oh, so the so many beginnings is by Bethany C. Morrow. That's one that has like four beautiful. It's a little woman remix. That's a whole new trend for a thing. But the other books that I super duper loved is it is a song of race and ruin. Oh yeah. The Roseanne A. Brown. I read that first one. Loved it. Can't wait for a Psalm of Storms and Silence, uh, which is the sequel coming out sometime this year. I also finally read a song Below Water, uh, which has two girls. It's more, it's not a photorealistic picture. It's more one of those graphic kind of pictures, but there's two girls, two different tones of um, brown skin. One has locks and one has more of her fro that she has her natural hair. That she, It's a big plot point that she always tries to style it but it somehow involves is successfully black lives matter mythical creatures talks about it's it's insane how the author is actually uh, bethany c Morrow is able to tie all these things in there together i'm here for that but yeah so it's in seattle and it's like black lives matter another black person has died and then there's this murder of a woman and then no one knew or cared about her until someone called her a siren because sirens do exist here only black women are ever sirens so sirens are often prosecuted and if they find you um they can put the police and authorities that be can put a collar on your oh. neck that means you can't speak because they have powers of persuasion so one of the main characters is a secret siren and she's living with her friend her friend actually lives with her and her family and her and she is something not quite normal but she doesn't know her mom has died and she's been the survivor of the five in the park because four of the kids turn, turned to stone and this girl survived it's a world of sprites all these things and Renfair. it's 
so much in one book. But again, it's part of those beautiful girls on covers, beautiful black girls on covers, which they need. Like you should see me in your crown. Oh, I love it. Like even the photo, especially the photorealistic ones. Like this one's still more drawing kind of. Um, but I, yeah, I love that. So, and I got the email about the so many beginnings, the little woman remix. <laughs> yes, it looks really good. So it's like yes. what four black sisters during the civil war. Um, so yes. yeah, I'm, I'm really here for that book. Um, and now I want to read the book that you just talked about. So uh, I think we've given everybody lots of books to read because we always end up like pushing a couple others as we, we talk about stuff. Uh, Cause you've read every book. And I am always not every playing catch up, uh, but that is okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the book jam. Publishers, don't forget that we will totally read the arcs if you send them to us. Uh, please send us arcs. We love arcs and we love talking about good arcs. So I think if you listen to us, you kind of know our jam. We love LGBTQ books. We love um, pro feminist books. We love nonfiction books, realistic books, graphic novels. We talk about middle grade and YA, all of it. So pretty much, yeah, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on The Book Jam. You just got jammed.